Chapter 18 of The Surprising Adventures of Bamfield Moore Carew, King of the Beggars, by Bamfield Moore Carew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mr. Carew, being in the city of Exeter with his wife, and having visited his old friends there, he walked to Topsham about three miles distant, leaving his wife in Exeter. Alas, little did he think this walk would end in a long and cruel separation from his friends and country. Little did he imagine that, in the land of freedom and justice, he should be seized upon by the cruel grasp of lawless power. Though poor, he thought himself under the protection of the laws, and as such liable to no punishment till they inflicted it. How far he thought right in this, let the sequel tell. Going down to Topsom and walking upon the quay there, enjoying the beauties of a fine evening, meditating no harm and suspecting no danger he was accosted by merchant d y accompanied with several captains of vessels in some such words as these ha mr carew you are come in a right time as you came home for your own pleasure you shall go over for mine they then laid hands on him who found it in vain to resist as he was overpowered by numbers and therefore desired to be carried before some magistrate but this was not hearkened to for they forced him on board a boat without the presence or authority of any officer of justice not so much as suffering him to take leave of his wife or acquaint her with his misfortune though he begged the favour almost with tears the boat carried him on board the fillery captain simmons bound for america with convicts which then lay at Powderham Castle waiting for a fair wind. Here had my pen gall enough, I would put a blot of eternal infamy on that citizen of liberty, who usurped so much power over a fellow citizen, and those who suffered a brother of liberty, however undeserving, to be dragged to slavery by the lawless hand of power, without the mandate of sovereign justice foolish wretch dost thou not know that thou oughtest to be more careful of keeping all usurping power within its bounds than thou wouldst the raging sea ready to overflow and overwhelm them all for thou who hast consented to see power oppress a fellow heir of glorious liberty how canst thou complain if its all-grasping iron hand should seize upon thyself or whatever thou holdest most dear then wouldst thou too late bewail that thou hadst ever suffered power wantonly to set foot on the neck of liberty but to return mr carew was no sooner put on board than he was strictly searched and then taken between decks where he was ironed down with the convicts there was at the same time a violent fever raging among them and mr carew by being chained with them night and day was soon infected and taken very ill however he had not the liberty of sending to his wife nor any of his friends though they lay three weeks in the roads for a fair wind in the meantime his wife not hearing anything from him and uncertain what was become of him or whether he was alive or dead abandoned herself to an excess of grief for he had always been a kind and affectionate husband to her she therefore sought him up and down at all houses of his usual resort but in vain for no news could she gain of her beloved husband the wind coming fair they hoisted sail and soon bid adieu to the english coasts we need not describe what passed in mr carew's breast at this time anger and grief prevailed by turns sometimes resentment for being thus treated 
fired his bosom, and he vowed revenge. At other times the thoughts of his being thus unexpectedly separated from his country and friends, and doomed to an ignominious slavery, filled him with sad and melancholy reflections. However, he had the pleasure before it was long of knowing he was not entirely deserted, for Captain Simmons, the commander of the fillery, a humane, compassionate man, came down to him between decks, soon after they were under sail, and bid him be of good cheer, for he should want for nothing, and though he had strict orders from merchant D-Y never to let him return, yet he would be a friend to him, and provide for him in the best manner he could. Mr. Carew returned thanks to his generous and unexpected benefactor in as handsome a manner as he was able. Soon after this he had liberty allowed him of coming upon deck, where the captain entered into conversation with him, and jocosely asked if he thought he could be at home before him. He generously replied he thought he could, at least he would endeavor to be so, which the captain took all in good part. Thus did Mr. Carew spend his time in as agreeable a manner as could be expected under his present circumstances. But alas, all our happiness is too fleeting, and we scarcely taste the pleasure before it is ravished from us. And thus it happened to our hero, for they had scarcely been under sail five weeks before the good Captain Simmons was taken ill, which increased every day with too many fatal symptoms, till at last death, who regards alike the good and virtuous, and the bad and vicious, struck the fatal blow. But the approaches of the grisly tyrant were not so dreadful to this man as the distress it would occasion to his wife and family whom he cried out for during his whole illness. Mr. Carew bewailed the loss of this generous benefactor with more than outward sorrow. Everything in the vessel was now in confusion by the death of the captain. At length the mate, one Harrison of Newcastle, took charge of the vessel and the captain's effects, but had not enjoyed his new honors before he was taken dangerously ill, so that the vessel was obliged to be left to the care of the common sailors and was several times in great danger of being lost. At last, after sixteen weeks' passage, in the grey of the morning, they made Cape Charles, and then bore away to Cape Henry. At Hampton they took in a pilot, the vessel having several times run upon the sand, and was not got off again without great difficulty. The pilot soon after brought them to Kent Island, where they fired a gun, and Harrison, who was now recovered, went on shore near Annapolis, and made a bargain with one Mr. Delaney of that place, for Mr. Carew as an expert gardener. He was then sent on shore, and Mr. Delaney asked him if he understood gardening. Being willing to get out of Harrison's hands, he replied in the affirmative, but Mr. Delaney asking him if he could mow, he replied in the negative. Then you are no gardener replied Mr. Delaney, and so refused to buy him. Then one Hilldrop, who had been transported about three years before from Exeter for horse-stealing, and had married a courier's widow in Annapolis, had a mind to purchase him, but they could not agree about the price, whereupon he was put on board again, and they sailed from Miles River. Here they fired a gun, and the captain went on shore, in the meantime the men-prisoners were ordered to be close-shaved, and the women to have clean caps on. 
this was scarcely done before an overseer belonging to mr bennett in way river and several planters came up to buy the prisoners were all ordered upon deck and mr carew among them some of the planters knew him again and cried out is not this the man captain frode brought over and put a pot-hook upon yes replies mr harrison the very same at which they were much surprised having an account he had been either killed by the wild beasts or drowned in some river ay ay replied harrison with a great oath i'll take care he shall not be at home before me by this time several of the prisoners were sold the bowl went merrily round and many of the planters gave mr carew a glass but none of them chose to buy him End of chapter eighteen